Hello and welcome to this week's new episode on Sour Path Podcast with Lady and Amara. Hello, hope you're, hope you're all doing well. Okay, so I'm going to drop you right into the middle of the scenario and I want you to really envision yourself in it. Okay, so it's 3am, you're not sleeping for whatever reason. You're on your phone, just scrolling through TikTok, scrolling through whatever you scroll through. And then you stop for a second and you start hearing things around your house. Maybe it's for coming from the kitchen. Is it your maybe a parent that went downstairs to have like a late night snack but you don't see any lights on in your house maybe you have an attic and somebody has sneaked in and is living there have you ever had that fear maybe it's somebody living in your walls observing you in each room that you are maybe you believe in ghosts and you believe that your house is haunted and you summon the spirit maybe you played the ouija board or you played the did the charlie charlie game that was like popular in 2016 but you don't really know who's in your house. Or maybe your mind is making up noises because that happens, right? That's happened to us before. Something like that similar happened and it was in real life, actually. We're talking about the Andrews family. This family consists of three people. So that there's uh, Mr. Andrews, they're going to call this Mr. Andrews, aka Brian Andrews, and his two daughters, Annie Andrews and Jessica Andrews. So this one night, um, Annie Andrews and Jessica Andrews decided to go down in the basement and do a seance. For people that don't know what a seance is, it's basically when people try to um, speak to the dead, um, summon spirits, and basically, it's like the Ouija board without the Ouija board, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they decided to do something similar, but they decided to speak to the dead mom. Um, the mom had recently passed away from cancer, so they were going through some kind of grieving. So they go downstairs, and out of pure curiosity they do a seance and nothing happens at first so they decided to go to bed just when just when they went to bed they start hearing like knocking and tapping on their walls that's when they think that is that the seance worked that was powerful and their mom is back so they start speaking to the spirit through the tappings so it was i believe something like this oh mom if you blah 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 tap three times and they will hear three knocks back or three taps back and communicate that way. So they spoke like that for the rest of the evening and um, many other days following. But something became weird because the tapping became so frequent. They was disturbing these girls sleep and Mm. things in the house would start disappearing. Um, You know, things were just getting scattered around the house. They would come back from school. The house is all in disarray. One thing that was in one side of the house would be all the way into the other side of the house. It was a chaos at this point. So they were thinking, okay, maybe we did not summon the spirit of our mom. Maybe we summoned the random demon that was pretending to be our mom. Hmm. So they told the dad, they told Mr. Andrews. And Andrews doesn't believe that. He believes that the children were kind of dealing with the trauma of losing their mom in a strange way. Maybe they were making these things up because they missed their mom and they were grieving in a strange way. Because sometimes children have a different way of grieving because they don't know how to process those kind of emotions. So there's stuff like that started happening until one evening. In January 1987, um, they started hearing it happen again, but it wasn't coming from the bedroom like always. It was coming from the basement. So what did they decide to do? Of course, they're like, okay, let's go investigate. <laughs> so they go downstairs to the, to the basement with a knife and they see in blood red on the basement wall, come find me if you can. Oh, okay. Something like it's like it was, I think it was come come find me if you can or come I'm in your bedroom come find me. So the girls immediately just get triggered and 
freaked out so they run out of the house and go to the neighbor's house and wait for the dad to come back home from work the dad comes back home and again Mr. Andrews doesn't believe them. He just thinks that they're going through something. So he puts them up for um, counseling. Now, uh, several weeks later, a similar similar, um, incident happens where, again, they start hearing tapping in the house. But it wasn't from the basement this time. It was coming from Annie's bedroom. They go into the bedroom, both of the girls, and they see, again, another writing that said, I'm back. Find me if you can. So now the girls again freak out and run out of the house to the neighbor's house and they call the dad and the dad comes back from work and he was not happy because it's like, uh, again, you know, he's not happy about it. So mm-hmm. he, instead of going to the neighbor's house, he goes straight into his house to just make sure that there's nobody there. And then he come, he goes out and then comes back again to the house. But then he sees that there has been um, additional, how do you call it? Additional chaos to the house, additional disarray. So it's like, okay, well, the girls were with the neighbors. I left. Somebody is here. So um, Mr. Andrews decides to go and investigate. So he goes into Annie's bedroom, and then he sees an additional message in um, Annie's bedroom, and it said, marry me. Okay, that's really strange. So then Mr. Andrews looks to the side and then sees something that's utterly disturbing. He sees a little boy dressed in his deceased wife's dress oh. with his deceased wife makeup and with his deceased wife wig holding a hatchet okay so this, this is, is a really strange <laughs> i don't know how to i don't know how anybody will react to such to such a view to be honest so there's kind of like a struggle between them it's kind of like a fight but this boy then just disappears like okay, into this room yeah, he disappears and it's like, okay, where did this boy go? Where did he run? He couldn't have run so far away. Where is he? Right? Okay. So then he called, yeah, it was just really strange situation. So he calls the police and the police starts looking, start looking around. And first of all, they discovered that the blood, the blood red on the walls was ketchup. Okay. To oh my God. Down. <laughs> it was ketchup. So they start looking around to find this boy and they see that um annie in her bedroom she had like a carpet that was built into the house then behind it was there was there was like a crawl space okay Mm -hmm. so they look inside and he was just there crawling like curled up inside in this little crawl space and this boy was called daniel laplante aka daniel laplante so he was born on the 15th of may 1970 in townsend massachusetts so this was taking place in the uk he was born with a really rough childhood he had all these cards about his life were kind of dealt against him if i'm going to be honest with you he was abused heavily abused by his own father he would abuse him physically sexually psychologically emotionally and he will carry these out because as a punishment we don't really know why but that is no excuse to punish a child in such a way. Oh. Danny claims, Daniel claims that he had been abused by multiple adults in his life. And there's no much there's no much of a reason for us to doubt this, to doubt this because of something I'm gonna be telling you in a bit. So as a minor, he had a few runnings to the law. We don't really know the reason why he got arrested because um those kind of information is isn't going to be released to us since he was a minor at the time. But oh. in school, he was having big trouble. So he was dyslexic and, AD- and had also ADHD and he was suffering socially and, econo- and um, 
academically. I'm not saying that people with dyslexia or ADHD cannot succeed in school. I'm just saying that he was going through a lot, plus the abuse. And he was also getting bullied by his own classmates for being, quote unquote, weird and creepy. And many people, including teachers, described him to have like an odd and strange behavior. And he did not really care for his physical appearance and had a lack of hygiene. So it seemed like uh, this abuse was really reflecting onto his own personal behavior. So because of all of these things that made up Daniel, um, he was sent to a psychologist. Um, and let's say that the adult, which Daniel should have been trusted trusting and should have been confiding in also ended up sexually abusing him during the sections and mm -hmm. all of this happened before the age of 15 so him as a child his own childhood was totally ruined by all the adults that were around him and i don't know he, he basically did not have any control over his life mm -hmm. and daniel developed this kind of hobby where he would break into people's houses this is the bit of the story which got me intrigued into his story so much because listen to what he would do um he would do like just normal burglar stuff he would just break into people's houses steal their valuables but sometimes he would leave things behind oh you know he would leave things behind sometimes he would just rearrange the furniture you know the kind of like cause chaos around the house so that when the owner's back he they just freaked out he basically liked playing mind games with them yeah. And I found this super interesting. Now, I have a theory as to why he would do such thing. I'm not saying I'm not excusing it. I'm giving an explanation. It's because, I believe, it's because since he was born in such a rough place with rough people around him that just did not care about him and abused him, he basically did not have any um, like power or did not have any um, control over his life. So breaking into people's houses and making them feel fear fear and um, playing games with people's minds kind of gives him some kind of power over them mm -hmm. so that's the only thing he had power where, the only place he had power which is breaking people's houses and honestly this brought me to, to a very interesting question which I love if you had the, the opportunity to break into somebody's house and you were told to take a few things that would freak the owner out what would it be no that will take some things that will freak them out. Mm -hmm. Probably items that mean a lot to them. So is it like family pictures or something? Mm, like something they have like an emotional connection with. For instance, mm -hmm. you know, like jewelry from someone that's deceased or something like that. Like sure. that would really hurt them. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe not like like um feelings it's more of a creating like, paranoia yeah, yeah something like that uh-huh i have my answer ready okay so <laughs> my first answer is batteries on the house so let's say it's a house where they use batteries a lot such as the remote control or um what's it called the fire alarm system i'll just take the batteries because it's something that it's so small but you can't really avoid you know because mm. let's say you're a person who watches tv a lot Okay, in the morning you watch TV and your remote control help like work. Do you have batteries all around your house? But then you get home, remote doesn't work. You can't find any batteries around the house. That's freaking, you know. And yeah. nobody in your family took them. Another one which I think is better is, I would take one shoe out of each pair. 
because yeah. you yeah. definitely cannot avoid that right. <laughs> anywhere you go your sandals your sports shoes you definitely cannot avoid that and I think that's a little bit scary because it's like you got your privacy it violated and they took something that's not that valuable because you can buy other pairs other shoe pairs right. but you're letting yeah but you can take but you're basically telling the owner that I can break in as many times as I want and play with you just because you know mm-hmm. so I think that was his uh, mentality because that's just how he was I believe the story of the Andrews family it happened when he um, obtained the number of the Andrews family's house I'm not sure how he got the number we can but we can already imagine he probably just broke in and got the number somehow but it's not confirmed mm-hmm. so uh, he started speaking to Annie uh, on the phone and kind of charmed us just a blonde guy athletic good looking you know Kendall just basically catfished catfished her and he asked for a date to go on a date with him and she said yeah but of course when he showed up at the doorstep she he did not look anything like anything he had described on the phone to her okay oh yeah he was greasy he had dark hair he did not have any particularly attractive features okay mm-hmm. so but Annie bless her heart she still decided to go on a date with him um and she decided to go they went to the local fair together and this day lasted like an hour okay it was that bad of a date because she Annie decided to open up about her recently deceased mother and he yeah. just became obsessed with that topic okay so he wouldn't let that topic go he would ask questions such as oh um um, how much did she suffer? How much did you suffer? Oh, how did you feel? And stuff like that. But it wasn't mm-hmm. like your typical way of like con- like giving your condolences to somebody. Yeah. It was more of a, tell me more. Tell me as much as you can about your mom. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Annie was like, yeah, I gotta go. So she found some kind of excuse and left knowing that there was not going to be a second date. Mm-hmm. So that's when... Um, Jessica and Annie, which Jessica is our younger sister, decided to do the seance for their mom. And that's where the whole mess happened. Now, let me teleport you again to where he was found in the crawl space. So the police mm-hmm. pulled him out of the crawl space and they put him in um, a juvenile facility. Okay, so what, ha- what happened is that when he broke into the house, he found, of course, this crawl space and had made like little holes around the house so that he could walk around the house behind the walls and just watch oh. Annie just watch Annie as she went from one room to the other that's weird I know I know I didn't and, have the time to do all that though it's it seemed like I have um well I feel like at this point he would have been an expert mm. yeah so it was kind of like this tunnel like situation where he would just move around the house you know, with these little holes that he will create in, in order to watch Annie. And, okay, at this point, it's pretty obvious that he was pretending to be Annie's and Annie and um, Jessica's dad, mother, unfortunately. And, yes, you got taken there. But let me tell you something that I did not really think of, but one website kind of, um, the website kind of brought it to light that. Do you know how Mr. Brian, Mr. Andrews went into, inside of the house and he was holding a hatchet? Daniel mm-hmm. was holding a hatchet. What was he trying to do? Because if it was Jessica and Annie, I think he would have killed them, to be honest. Yeah. 
because you cannot just be standing there holding a hatchet and say that it was just like a like a prank maybe he would have tried to prank them you know just to make them scared mm-hmm. um and to be like oh i'm your mom i don't know but it's a really strange situation so that is what happened now when he was put in he got out of the juvenile facility in october 1987 so this happened the whole thing with the family happened um in January 1987, so almost a year later, he got he gets out and almost immediately he goes back to his own life, his old life, like burglaries and everything, robberies, left right mm-hmm. and center. That same November, he got like two handguns from his neighbor's house. On December 1st, this is what will get Daniel in prison for life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on December 1st, 1987, he broke into the Gustafson family. So the Gustafson family consists of four people. So it had um, Andrew Gustafson and uh, his wife, Priscilla Gustafson, who was pregnant at the, t- at the time, and the be- two beautiful children, um, Abigail and William. So Abigail was about eight years old and William was five years old. Mm-hmm. So um, he broke into their own house and the husband was not there. Mr. Gustafson was not there. He was at work. When he comes back from work after he had broken in, Mr. Gustafson would be presented with the most heartbreaking scene of his life. So he sees his wife face down her bed with her pillows dyed of red splatter, oh, like blood yeah. splatter all over the place. Yeah. And she had been raped uh-huh. and shot in the head multiple times point blank rage so point blank rage means um when the gun is really extremely close to you or basically just touching you okay now i've seen um i read a website that said that she had been shot twice and others that said that she had been shot multiple times i'm just gonna go with multiple times just to be sure and of course he had called the police the police had gotten them and then checked the house and they discovered the two deceased children where um eight-year-old abigail was drowned in the downstairs bathroom and five-year-old william had been drowned in the upstairs bathroom so it did not take much long for the police to understand that okay it's daniel that that did this okay Mm -hmm. which i don't know I'm, i'm i don't know why it took them so short to understand this because it doesn't make sense to me how do you go from burglaries all the way to a murder like mm-hmm. multiple murders at the same time the same day yeah mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense that's what makes me think that if mr if mr andrews had not gone into the house i think he would have killed annie and jessica mm-hmm. right but yeah it kind of makes sense doesn't it yeah so that's basically what happened and um, they, of course, put a manhunt man man for uh, Daniela Plante because he had fled the place. He had, and he had been found so a few towns over from Townsend, which is where they were. And uh, he had kidnapped a woman and in her vehicle. The woman managed to escape, thank God. Mm-hmm. And, but he was spotted by somebody who was seeing him on the news. So the police, of course, went after... Um, went after that tip that, he, that they had gotten and they found them in a dumpster just hiding in them. And one solid information, one solid evidence that they had found was that he had like a hair of Abigail on his sock. 
Oh, which yeah, Hero Abigail, which kind of seals seals in. It's like yeah, it's definitely you. And uh, he was found forty eight hours after the manhunt was put out for him. So this was pretty quick. This was like a major case. This was a big case because police put him out to be dangerous and harmed because again he had taken two shotguns from his neighbors. Okay, of course they weren't his. So he then was a year later sentenced to three life sentences for murder of the Gustafsson family. Of course. Great pain to Andrew Gustafsson as he has lost all his family literally yeah. one day just because it was he went at work. Now, Daniel, again, he was, he, again, he's strange, okay? He has a really strange mm-hmm. character because in prison, he does not really show any remorse. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really show any remorse. He clearly, he... um. People assume, people said that he had multiple personality disorder, which kind of makes sense. It's an excuse, again. But that's what people say. And he had shown multiple times that he's just somebody they cannot release. Yeah. He, yeah. Because if you release him out there, it seems like he won't, he won't change. He won't become somebody new, if that makes sense. So um, he was somebody that was beyond repair. Now, he, for some reason tried to sue the court multiple times for violating his rights okay guess what rights rights of religion all right he decided he decided to become a practicing satanist okay and he had asked for materials to carry out this satanic um i don't know this satanic rituals and the prison did not give them to him course not he's convicted yeah i don't know what he asked for was it was it candles was it this because no (laughs) what do you want in prison you you want me to give you candles for your for your rituals absolutely not imagine them asking for like a goat's head or something like that um oh (laughs) (laughs) he was not given those of course and um daniel was he tried to appeal to a sent to get a reduced sentence in 2017. And he said this statement, which I don't know if I should believe. And I quote, mm-hmm. I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm I have caused. From the very essence of who I am, from the depth of my soul, I am sorry. Yeah. I don't believe the word he no. said. No. No, it just seems like somebody that cannot really uh, feel sympathy for other people because, again, I'm not going. I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to excuse his behavior, but from his childhood, not many people have shown his sympathy because of the amount of abuse that he has faced. So I don't expect him to show that sympathy to other people. To be honest, mm-hmm. okay. Um, of course, you have many people who have been abused and do not turn into criminals, but yeah. that's just my my thinking. Maybe he's so, just had a negative influence, like around healing. Yeah, it's it's like he learned this behavior. Unfortunately, um, uh, Mr. Gustafson, Andrew Gustafson, had passed away in two thousand and fourteen, and he was not honestly. He had passed out in two thousand and fourteen, and our condolences go out to him. And apparently, allegedly, he had claimed on upon his deathbed, "Don't let him out. He should rot in prison." which is a totally, totally understandable statement yeah. that he had said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we can say that he his wish was granted because um, his parole was then, he was not reduced, basically was denied his parole. And the only thing we can expect is for him to 
to kind of like spend the rest of his life into prison. And if he is given parole, I don't think he will get out. Yeah. I don't think he will get out. After all this history from his childhood up until now, he will not get out, in my opinion. But yeah, that's the story. There's a few comments that I read about the story. People saying that um, somebody said that they knew Daniel and they saw him on the bus. What? <laughs> Once when they were when he was younger, oh. and yeah, <laughs> this woman on the bus. Other people saying that they could hear, they remember like the helicopters over their houses, looking for him, and how you know, you know how people just close the doors and stay home inside because, sure, you have somebody who's armed around this house too, which mm-hmm. gunshots really, and yeah, that's basically the story. And of course, our condolences go to Andrew Priscilla. Priscilla Jane Morgan, oh. Abigail Morgan mm-hmm. Gustafson, and William Andrew Gustafson. May they rest in peace. Yeah, and all their loved ones, of course. So, what do you guys think about this case? Of course, yeah, let us know. Um, yeah. The story doesn't end happily at all. No. Uh, no true crime story ends well, but some yeah. kind of justice is served, which is the yeah, prison. It still doesn't come up. This is like three people dying. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine because I, I, I can't imagine how much Mr. Gustafson must have gone through because of, you know, you lost all your loved ones in one day. How do you live on? And then for him to still keep the same grudge at his deathbed, that means he's been grieving. Like he never stopped grieving them. Of course, yeah. There's many crime. There's many stories where the person in the receiving end of, I don't know, the crime will forgive the person. Yeah, and I think that yeah. Well, he never did. Yeah, I think those are really interesting and really like it's it's heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. Because like this person has done so many bad things to you, and you still decide to forgive them. But of course, his statement, I cannot sit here and be like oh he should have forgiven him mm-hmm. i believe in forgiveness but i've never been through anything that mm-hmm. he's been through mm-hmm. so i have no right to sit here and be like oh whatever whatever but it's, that is the story yeah i can't even imagine what it's called what it would be like and then keeping that for all these years until you die that must be a painful death yeah i've, I've listened to many stories i remember there's this story that i listened to about this man who had lost his wife and two daughters and he was accused of being the murderer but he wasn't so this was additional pain because now people think that i killed my family when clearly not but the the murder was then discovered we might maybe cover that case but that's one of those cases that literally made me tear up i don't cry at crime cases like um, like usually i don't because i don't like doing that but that story made me tear up Mm. this was a little bit of a short one sorry <laughs> okay i feel yeah i feel like if they're shorter yeah kind of... bit, yeah maybe it's just this week okay yeah. and also for the schedule i know that the um what's it called the episode come out a little bit randomly yeah <laughs> you don't have a schedule but <laughs> yeah but it. we will put actual like um we hopefully by grace by god's grace we'll put like uh an actual schedule when we settle in for uni because you know yeah. the process mm-hmm. so please uh let us know your opinion on this case as usual 
if for any recommendations or anything really you have our email hope you guys enjoyed this episode have a good day or night do listen to us at night bye bye